You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Pullman Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. It's good to be here with everybody this morning. It's good to see so many faces. I love seeing a lot of the students back. Uh, I heard the Cougars did another little win thing yesterday, right? Right? Um, hopefully they get some competition, right? I mean, it's going to be boring if the whole season goes like this. So, uh, hey, this morning, like Adam shared, we are uh, kind of rolling out uh, new stuff. We're rolling out our new logo and new name. We are officially Real Life Church Pullman, and uh, we're in the process of, of getting everything switched over and changed over. And as much as we would have liked to have had everything polished and perfect and everything switched over and been super professional, the truth is we're a bunch of guys. And so we had that going against us. And, uh, oh, hey, look, there it is. Um, First service, we still had the old logo. So we're improving by the minute, (laughs) right? we joke a lot that we call real life uh, real life for a reason because uh, sometimes real life has a lot of curveballs and we don't always have it all figured out and that really does embody who we are as a church. We're just a bunch of regular people trying to figure out how to do this stuff uh, the best we know how. And so, um, that, and we joke about the mistakes that we make and we don't have it all figured out. So if you're not perfect and you don't always do everything right, um, you'll probably fit in just great around here, right? Like you're our people. Um, you're the ones that will give us grace. Like if you got everything nails and nothing really ever goes wrong in your life, um, don't fill any cards out, right? Okay, because we need grace here. So we're in the process of getting all that stuff figured out. Uh, our website is gonna be up in the next couple of weeks. We're working on getting that finished. It's gonna be real simple, rlcpullman.com. And uh, that is gonna be happening in the bulletin. You'll see all of our new email addresses are listed in there. All that stuff's up and running and working to be able to communicate with any of us on the team. And for the next couple of weeks, we're kind of living in this dual status where we still have the Lifer OTP website that has Pullman information on it and Moscow information on it. And then, uh, and then we're gonna be uh, switching over to our own uh, website here for Pullman only. And so we're just working through that. So be patient with us, give us some grace. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll get things sorted and launched and working. And, uh, and then you can help us uh, find out the stuff that we didn't see that was wrong with it, right? and we'll just figure it out together. Um, the other thing that uh, we're working on is just other things behind the scenes about uh, uh, continuing in our, proc- our uh, process of becoming an independent church. For a lot of you, if you've been around for a while, you know that we're in the process of becoming a, a local independent church here in Pullman. If you're new with us, um, just real quick, we've been a part of a bigger church on the Palouse. About 11 years ago, 12 years ago, Aaron and Kelly came down with others and planted a church in the Moscow Pullman region, the Palouse region called Real Life on the Palouse. It was a church plant from the original real life up in Post Falls, Idaho that started about 22 years ago. And they came down and started this church. And then one of the things that happened over the years down here on the Palouse is um, they they started going from having one church that was going to try and reach the whole Palouse, like both sides of the state line. And just the way things shook out, they ended up with uh, one church with two campuses, two different locations. And so for a lot of years, we've had uh, one church with one eldership 
leadership and kind of one combined staff uh, leading a church in Pullman and a church in Moscow. And there's been things about it that have been really good and really great. And there's been things about it that have been challenging just with some of the logistics and sharing staff and back and forth and direction and all that kind of stuff. And so over the last year, we've gone through some change as Aaron and Kelly felt like God was calling them on to the next adventure in their life. And they're now off in Parker, Colorado, leading a church there, which is awesome. We continue to have a great relationship with them. And because of that, uh, both Moscow and Pullman have kind of gone through a season of change. And so Josh Gray is going to be leading the Moscow campus forward and as they become their own independent church and along with his team. And I'm going to be leading the Pullman church uh, forward as an independent church along with our team over here. And so the cool thing is that's really important that everybody knows, especially for those of you that have been around for a long time and know some of our history, it's really important that we understand that that we have an awesome relationship with Moscow as a church and they have an awesome relationship with us as a church and our, our staff and our team are good friends and have done life and ministry together for a long time and things between us and them are good, right? Like, like it's important that you hear that, that we're good. There, there's nothing goofy going on. Like we're good, you know, and sometimes in church world, it feels like you're wondering if you're getting the truth. Like, eh, I don't know, are they just, no, no spin. We're good, we're family. The cool thing is we're gonna be able to operate more uh, effectively as independent local churches with our own local elders and staff and leadership overseeing who we are as a church to be able to react and respond and pray and meet the needs of our own communities and our own congregations and still have the value and benefit of having a like-minded sister church that cares about the same things we care about just across the state line. In fact, we'll still share, we have people on the worship team that go back and forth a lot. Like if we need a bass player, one of theirs comes over or vice versa. And we have people in our children's and youth ministry that, that volunteer in, in different places. Our, our uh, youth ministry is gonna continue to partner with the youth ministry in Moscow and do camps and events and the same thing with kids camp and all that kind of stuff. We're gonna act like family because we are. And we're going to move forward, uh, helping each other accomplish uh, what we care about. And that's that every person on the Palouse would get to know who Jesus is. And not just know him, but get to be in relationship to walk out and figure out how to actually follow him. All right? You guys with me? Make sense? All right. So this morning, I'm going to do some things with you. I want to, I want to take, a, take today, this day, and share with you a little bit about um, where we're going as a church for this year. And not only where we're going as a church for this year, but why, like, why do we do what we do? Why are we going to focus on the things we're going to focus on and just help us really get kind of realigned as a family. And if you're new to give you a good dose of who we are and what we care about and why we do what we do so that, you know, if you're going to call this place home and you're going to make this family for this year, you know what you're, you're uh, getting in for, you know what you're signing up for. You're going to get a good taste of who we are today. All right? So we're going to focus on this year, six areas of emphasis when it comes to ministry as a church. And you're going to notice as we walk through them that there's going to be probably some things that you might have thought, oh, well, they should do this or they could do that that might not be on the list. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to tell you what we are going to focus on. 
as a church, we're going to zero in on these six areas of ministry and really emphasize these things. These are the things we're going to put all our eggs in these baskets, if you will, right? So first of all, home groups. Home groups are the heartbeat of our church. Home groups are where you make friends. It's where you build connection. It's where you find people to do life with together, all right? And so the the thing about home groups is it's more than just friendship. It's more than just another place to find friends. There's something that's unique about home groups. And the thing that's unique about home groups is it's because it's people that are drawn together with a common purpose to dig into God's word and then learn how to actually go do it, to actually try out what you're learning, right? And so in home groups, that's where that happens. Yes, there's friendship. Yes, there's camaraderie. Yes, there's common interests even. But the thing that makes a home group different than just another group of friends is the common purpose around getting in God's word and walking it out together and encouraging each other to learn how to like actually walk out God's word. So that's one of our big areas of emphasis this year. Next up is life for kids. Okay, so our kids ministry is for infants all the way up to fifth graders. And Alex uh, is our uh, Life for Kids pastor. And coincidentally, I know he said it, but Adam that was up here doing announcements is our home groups pastor. And so if you have questions about getting in a home group, you know who to talk to um, because you saw him up here and he's gonna be actually preaching next weekend too. So, but Alex Little leads our children's ministry and the heartbeat of the children's ministry is to help kids in that ministry get to understand and learn about God's good story, about how God sees them and who God says that they are. And it's it's an opportunity for them to start growing roots in a Christian family that's bigger than their family at home, right? To be a part of something more and and to make that normal and good for them that, that grounds them in godly family. And so that's one of our areas of emphasis this year. Next up is our life or youth ministry, and that's for fifth or excuse me, sixth graders to twelfth graders. So middle school and high school. A big area of emphasis for us as a church is that is that kids from sixth grade to twelfth grade are experiencing an awesome, awesome environment in their youth ministry. Corbin is our youth pastor. Corbin preaches from time to time, and many of you have seen him up here and know him. And if you haven't seen him yet, he'll be preaching in this next series. You'll get a chance to meet and hear from our youth pastor, which is awesome. Um, his, his desire is to build a team of young adults and adults that can come alongside our students and help them get to experience not only what it means to put their faith in Jesus, but to learn how to actually walk out following Jesus, like being a disciple in an age-appropriate way. All right. The next thing that we're going to focus on as a church is our college ministry, our college groups. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a little bit of an opportunity for us when it comes to college students. Um, There are a few more college students still sleeping that aren't here yet. Right. Right. So because of that, As a church and as a team, we get creative at partnering with people that are like-minded, that want to see young adults know and follow Jesus because we can't reach all of them on our own. 
And so we have groups internally in our own real life uh, home group system that are college focused. We also partner with other ministries in the area. A um, couple of them that we partner with and have for a long time is Young Life Ministry and Impact Student Ministries. And both of those ministries we have a longstanding partnership with they are small groups focused. They are, they are, are, are like-minded with us in that they want students to get to know and follow Jesus in, in real and meaningful ways through relationships in their small groups. I went to the Young Life kickoff and probably saw some of you a couple of weeks ago up there on campus and I don't know, 150 people or something showed up for that thing and they goofed off and they had fun and they did all kinds of stuff. And, and at the end of it, they said, oh, by the way, if you're interested in getting into a small group, like, it, you know, if you're wanting to kind of like really get serious about following Jesus and you want to get into a small group, there's signups in the corner. So this is a bunch of college kids in a room and it's like, what can we go do next? And it was crazy. It was like this gigantic pile of people all just massing to these things. Now, mind you, this is old fashioned, old school piece of paper and a pen signing up like for who's bringing snack at church, right? Like sign up sheets. 88 people, 88 students. All you have to do is ask. College ministry is an emphasis for us as a church this year. The next thing up is our benevolence ministry. Our benevolence ministry uh, is run uh, wholly by volunteers. We have an amazing team of volunteers that comes in and volunteers their time every Wednesday and then a lot over and above outside of Wednesdays for various reasons. On Wednesdays, we have set hours at our church office in Pullman where people can come in and get help with assistance like a emergency a Vista bill where they're behind on or a car repair that's got them in a pickle or when life just throws them a curveball and they're in a pinch and they're stuck they come to where you would hope people would come to in a town when they're stuck. They would walk in the door of a church and say, I'm stuck, I'm in a pickle. And our benevolence team walks through those things with them. They, just, they, they help them uh, decide what they can help with and how they can help, but they also walk alongside them and, and start getting to know them as a person and care about their relationship with the Lord. And like Dan shared about in the message last weekend, they actually start to walk with them and invite them to come and be a part of this family. Not just help them with an Avista bill, but help them with what does it look like to get to know Jesus, right? Another thing our benevolence team does is they're, they're putting together an emergency food pantry and it's, it's stocked by uh, folks in here that have pitched in and contributed to it. And that is just designed to help people in our congregation and people in our community that get in a bind and they don't have food. We get calls throughout the week. We get uh, calls and messages from people in our congregation that know people who don't have food or can't feed their family or their kids for the weekend or for the night. And that is a resource there to love and serve our community in a practical and tangible way. That's one of the things we do with our benevolence ministry. The last thing that we do that's a huge part of our benevolence ministry is the duplex. Our church, for uh, many of you know about the duplex, but if you're new, our church rents a three bedroom duplex in town and the whole heartbeat behind it is to create a, a safe place for families who have had their kids taken away for various domestic reasons and issues. And they're in the process of working towards restoration and putting their family back together. And as they put their family back together, they need a safe place to meet that feels like a home. 
And so our church has provided that and we work with the state agencies and with the independent contractors. And that place is booked up all week long, all the time with people using it who are in the process of putting back together the things that sin has broken in their life. The last thing that we're gonna focus on this year as a church is what we do on Sundays. The, the worship and teaching ministry that we do on Sunday mornings. We're gonna zero in and just really grow and continue to learn what it means to worship God. What does it mean for us to gather together and worship and praise God and be reminded as a family that we have a God that's worthy of praising. That's a God that, is, that has done amazing things and some of the words and some of the songs and some of the ways that we worship and, and sing remind us of what God's done in our own lives and we rally together. And, and we get together and we teach God's word and we dig in and we help you learn and grow as a family. And what we do on Sunday, it, it also helps rally us together and recharge us and refresh us. And just, uh, it, you get to see faces you haven't seen maybe in a week or two or in a while. You get to look around and see that you're a part of something bigger. You get to hear stories of what God is up to in circles that you don't walk in. Right? There's so much good that happens when we rally together on Sunday morning. So that is an area of emphasis for us as a church. All right? So the thing is, those are the six things we're going to focus on. And you probably notice like maybe there's some things on that list that you're like, well, what about, well, what about, well, what about, right? Here's the truth. In ministry, there are so many opportunities to do so many different things that are so cool. It, that we could literally just wear ourselves out trying to chase awesome ideas and not saying that any of them wouldn't be worth chasing. But as a team, where we're at right now with the staff that we have, the, the season of ministry that we have ahead of us at becoming an independent church, we just feel like as we've prayed and looked at it, these are the things that are gonna help us be the most effective at doing what we care most about, helping people trust and follow Jesus for real. We're not saying that other stuff is not good. We're just saying these are the things we're gonna major on, right? Now listen, uh, that means we're not gonna have uh, for this season like a real formal women's ministry or men's ministry or basket weaving ministry or car tire repair ministry or all the other amazing op you know, cool things that you could do, right? But hear me, listen, this is really important. I am not saying, as a team, we are not saying that guys, you can't get together and do a men's study. <laughs> no, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying, ladies, you wanna do a Bible study. You did one last year and it was awesome and it was amazing and three ladies from your home group wanna do it and a lady you work with wants to get in on it and, and you wanna know if it's okay to do that. We're not saying you can't do that at all. We're hoping that as people are involved in these fundamental ministries that we're gonna focus on as a church, that you're building relationship and that you're spurring each other on and that out of those relationships, you're going, hey, I, a couple of the ladies in my home group and somebody else, we wanted to get together and do this Armor of God study that one of us did last year that was amazing and we wanted to know, and, and you're gonna say, is it okay? And I'm gonna say like, um, yeah. And, and we're gonna do something in that department that, that's sort of crazy in church world. We're going to give you permission to go be Christians <laughs> with your friends and family and dig into God's word and we don't even have to know about it. 
Now, it's really important that you don't let the word get out because if other churches find out we're doing this, it's gonna give us a black eye in this town. Right? It's bad enough that I'm up here. All right? That, that's the thing. It's cool that you guys dig in to God's word together and you do other things together. But these are the areas we're gonna zero in on, all right? Now, I wanna spend the rest of my time just chewing on and, and digging into why we do what we do. Why do we exist as a church? Why are these things the things that are so important to us? And I think we can get a, a taste or maybe help us get a little bit of a picture, understanding of why we do what we do based on some things that Jesus said at the end of what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, he records all of these amazing teachings that Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. And towards the end of it, he says some things that probably a lot of us have heard before or familiar with, but the things that he says are kind of different. They're kind of maybe even a little bit hard to understand. They're kind of a little bit like, hmm, I wonder what did he actually mean there? So let me read it to you and then let's unpack it a little bit. In Matthew chapter seven, he says that you enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Now, a lot of us have probably heard this teaching before or read it before. And if we've heard it or read it before, a lot of us have probably also heard it explained that it really is a description of uh, Jesus talking about people becoming a Christian. Like we've heard it maybe explained or we've heard it or we've maybe understood it to mean that this was all about people becoming a Christian. Like the idea that, that Jesus is saying that, that the road that leads to life is narrow and at the beginning of it is this teeny little gate and very, very, very few people will ever actually follow Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but that gives me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> That feels like my job just got a lot harder. It feels like I wonder if I'm, where am I at? And if we look at that teaching in, in, in light of the rest of the message of the New Testament, it doesn't really line up if we, if we try to understand it that way. That if we try to say that it's only about becoming a Christian and we compare it to the rest of the message of the New Testament, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really line up because all throughout the New Testament, we see that the message of salvation is this idea that, that we can't get to know God any other way except through Jesus. That the message, message of salvation is all about us trusting our lives to Jesus. Like that's all there is to it is, is we come to, to a saving grace in Christ by putting our faith in him. Like, like there's nothing else to being saved. It's not about how good we are. It's not about how smart we are to make our way through this narrow gate. It's not about how wise we are or how skillful we are to walk this road in our own strength, with our own wisdom, our own experience. Like we don't have to be able to figure all of that out in order to find life that Jesus is talking about. All throughout the New Testament, we hear a message of a good God who has done amazing things to make our salvation readily available by faith in Christ. Christianity that's painted in the New Testament is not about us being good enough. 
It's not about us being good enough. It's about the fact that we have a God who in his divine plan was good to us through Christ. And when we come to learn about that, we come to learn about who Jesus is and what God claims is available to us in him, our response to God's goodness is to extend him faith. Like to say, I believe that you are who you said you are and I, I believe that I need you and I want you and I trust you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to trust you. And in that act, we see that we can find salvation, forgiveness from our sins. Like we can actually experience forgiveness from every stupid, dumb, messy, terrible thing we've ever done. Even the junk we only thought about. That's how good forgiveness is from God. That's the picture that, that is painted about salvation throughout the New Testament. And so when Jesus is talking about this narrow gate and this narrow road and this broad road and broad gate, I wonder if he doesn't have maybe a different application in mind. I wonder if there isn't maybe something else that he's trying to help us understand a different picture. I think Jesus is trying to help us understand at the end of this sermon on all of these things about the, the golden rule and he teaches about anger and divorce and generosity and he, he unpacks all of this stuff in the sermon at the end of it he talks about this narrow gate and this narrow road that leads to life. I think he's trying to help us understand something that on the other side of trusting Jesus there is a different life available. I think he's trying to help us understand that the narrow gate, entering through the narrow gate, walking the narrow road that few find that leads to life is not about salvation. It's our response to salvation. When we experience God's grace and forgiveness, bam, we're in. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit and we are in. And on the other side of that, gift. On the other side of that, we have this opportunity to journey with Jesus through this narrow gate on this narrow road that he says leads to life. So instead of hearing it as a, as this, uh, scary sort of thing that, that sort of gives you a little bit of anxiety, like, oh my gosh, like, are you saying after everything you've said, like if, like if we don't do everything right, that, that really, really, really few people will ever know Jesus? Like, that doesn't sound great. Sounds a little freaky to me. What if Jesus was trying to help us understand a different kind of invitation? What if he was inviting us to understand this idea of this narrow gate and this narrow road in a different way? What if it sounded maybe something more like this? What if, what if Jesus was saying something more like this? What if he said, I am so glad that you joined the family. You're in, right? I'm so glad that you're a part of the family. My God is so proud of you. My dad is so proud of you. I love you so much. And I see that you have my spirit. This is awesome. Now guess what? We're just getting started. This is the beginning. This is where it all starts. 
And Jesus leans in and he, he looks at you and he asks you and he, 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 at, at this beginning point of your faith, Jesus could look in at you and say, now here's the thing. We're just getting started, but I need to know. I need to know, are you ready to come over to this gate with me through this narrow gate down this narrow road where, where I'm gonna do work inside of you. I'm gonna change you. I am gonna transform you from the inside out. I am gonna reshape and regenerate and recreate and actually make you a new creation. I am able and willing to do something in you that you could never do on your own. But I need to know, like I'm so glad that you are in the family. But I need to know, now that you're in, are you ready to, are you ready to walk this walk with me? Are you ready to take my hand? Like, like imagine Jesus reaching out to you to, to, to lend a hand to you to say, hey, like the road that leads to life, like good news, you're in. The road that leads to life is over here and there's a little gate we need to shimmy through and let's get on it. Are you in? Do you wanna come with me? Are you ready? That's what Jesus is inviting us to. That's the life that Jesus is inviting us to. Now, here's the deal. When we go on that journey with Jesus, he does things in us that only he can do. He, he starts to, to chisel away at the stone of our heart, right? Like he starts to, to, to chip away at hardness and bitterness and anger and hate and the uglies. And he starts to reshape our character. He starts to reshape our personality, our likes and our dislikes. He literally is changing who we are. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty appealing to me personally. Because over the years when I've stopped and looked at my own life, when I stop and take a good hard look at the inside me, I know who I've been. I know what I've done. I know what my thought life has been like at different times in my life. I know the hurts I've caused, the messes I've made, the dumb stuff I've done, the sin I've done. I know, right, I was there. And when I look at that stuff, I sort of go, like, it's not something that's real exciting. I don't know if you guys like looking at it. I don't. And, and it causes me to go to God and go, I don't want to be like that, Lord. Like, I want to be different. And the fact that I know that God is offering us this life where he can do the work that I could never do on my own to reshape and change and regenerate and to make me into a new creation that gives me hope that, that no amount of self-help books could ever satisfy. No amount of work on my own could ever satisfy. It's only in Christ that these changes can happen because of him and his spirit at work literally changing us from the inside out. Now, here's the thing. When this starts to happen, um, it can get a little bit Difficult. When you start to experience Jesus getting in deep on issues with you, things about you that are not that godly 
and great and they're sort of green and ugly. And he starts to dig at one of those and starts to do the reshaping and changing and, and starts to chip away at those things on the inside. The thing about that is it can start to get a little bit painful. It can start to get a little bit hard, right? And I think the fact that we know that and can learn that, it, it helps us understand probably why there are so many people who are Christians who don't really look much different than they were before they put their trust and faith in Jesus, right? They, they, they joined the family, but they maybe stepped on in the narrow road and went, whoa, that's rough. <laughs> Think I was comfortable over here, right? They still hate, they still envy, they still lie, deceive, they still have their stuff, right? And the, the, the truth is there probably are a lot of Christians who are Christians who just haven't walked through the narrow gate that, has, that, that leads to life. They haven't experienced the new life that Jesus promises. Now here's the cool thing. Here's what's really, really cool is I can tell you what that new life looks like. I can tell you what Jesus promises, right? This abundant life that he promises. Here's the thing about Jesus. He says that we have an enemy, right? He says that we have an enemy and he calls him a thief. He says he comes to, to steal and destroy and to hurt us. But then Jesus boldly proclaims that he, unlike the enemy who comes to steal and hurt us, Jesus said he comes to give us life, abundant life, full life. And we find it by walking on this narrow path with him. And I'm here to tell you that this morning, I can tell you what the abundant life looks like. So I wanna do something with everybody in here. I just, I want you to take a second. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and I'm gonna talk with you about what the abundant life is, what it looks like. And I want you to imagine the life I'm talking about being true about you. I want you to imagine you actually experiencing this life. These things being said about you, not somebody you hope they would be. Like you're not sitting here daydreaming about that other person that needs this. This is what if this was true about you? The abundant life, the full life that Jesus offers us on this narrow path looks like a life where you stop compromising. Where your outside life looks just like your inside life. You're so consistent that who you are privately is exactly who you are publicly. Your ability to keep your word and, and, and do what you say is easy because your yes is just yes and your no is actually just no in this full life that Jesus offers, you actually experience patience and peace. You have contentment, 
no matter what's going on in your life and around you and your circumstances, you have peace and contentment and joy. And when people talk about you, they describe you as a person who is known for your kindness and your generosity and your self-control. And above all, you are a person that is known for your love for God and your love for other people. Wouldn't you like to open your eyes to that kind of life? To actually live that way? To be that kind of person that is living in the abundant life that Jesus promises? How awesome would that be? Right? The challenge is this, the process, the journey that we go with Jesus on, first of all, it doesn't all happen at once. It's, it's a lifetime process. Thank goodness, because I can only handle so much uh, overhaul in any given week, right? But it's this process that we walk with them on. The hard part is that there are hard parts. It's deep, it's personal, it's painful, letting go of our stuff that we think is awesome. But not really godly. And guess what happens when you're walking this narrow path alone, when you're walking this road alone and Jesus is doing heart surgery on you and character surgery and personality shaping stuff on you and it gets uncomfortable and, and even painful and you're by yourself, guess what you do? 99 out of 100, you go, woo, that was rough. And you walk away, right? You're like, that's, that's God, that's too hard. That's too much. Like seriously, like back off. Like, are you ever gonna let it just be easy, right? And, you, and we tap out, we walk away and guess where we find ourselves? We find ourselves back on the wide road that leads to destruction. We find ourselves doing things to cope, doing things that feel good because that hurt for a minute over there. And we don't like pain. And we do things to feel good and to, to numb and to hide and to avoid and to try to keep our mind distracted and busy so we don't look back over there because we don't want to feel guilty after all, right? And here's the thing for us as a family, for us as a church, this is why we do what we do. This is why this family is so important to you. This is why being in a home group, being plugged in in a college ministry and a youth group, like all the things that we're focusing on, this is why they're so important because you can't walk this road alone. You need people. You need family. And sometimes your family family doesn't really care if you're on that road or not. That's the truth but you need to find people in this family that do. Because guess what happens when you open up, you get out of your comfort zone, you get, you get uncomfortable enough to, to go and find some people, to get a little transparent and vulnerable and let some people in, get in a home group, share a little bit about what God's doing in you. You do something amazing, something miraculous happens is you saw all of a sudden find yourself on this narrow road. And when things get tough, all of a sudden you're surrounded by hope. You're surrounded by encouragement. You're surrounded by people that have been where you've been that can see when you're weak and they can come alongside you and grab you by the arm and say, Hey, it looked like you're about to tap out. And you're like, Whoo, boy, you came at the, the last second. Cause I was, I was about to tap out and you can be real and honest, and they can say, man, I've got your back. And they can look at you and say, trust God. Don't, don't tap out, don't give up. Trust what God's doing in you. 
Let me pray with you. Let me walk with you. Let me, let me go through this with you. In fact, I can tell you from experience, I've been here and it hurt when I was going through some of those things and I hung in there and on the other side of it, gosh, there's freedom. Stick with it. Don't walk away from God, right? Like that's what you get to experience when you have people that'll walk this walk with you. That'll do this life with you. That's why we do what we do. We need each other. We need family. That's why it's so important. We harp on home groups. It isn't because, oh, we need, we got 28 home groups and we want 45 as our goal for the year. No, I want everybody in Whitman County to be in a home group. And then I want everybody they know to be in a home group that digs in and helps people know how to like really get to know God and really follow him and not just know about, not just know about salvation, like you've got a ticket to heaven, but to know about like, the rest of your life, right? Like if all salvation is about is hell insurance, like, like we get to go to heaven, awesome. Like I'm sure it's gonna be great. I'm taking his word for it. I'm sure it's gonna be great, but let's be honest. If all salvation was about this whole getting to know Jesus thing, church, all that we're about is just so that we know that we can go to heaven and it doesn't make a lick of difference today, then guess what? I'll wait because I will join the millions of people who will put off for tomorrow what doesn't matter today. But that's not Christianity. That's not the invitation of Christ. That's, that's not true. What is true is that Jesus says, not only is there salvation, not only is there a guarantee by his spirit, his seal on us that we get to go to heaven, that, that, that God will acknowledge us as his sons and daughters, but today, we can start to experience a full and abundant life, freedom from sin, freedom from shame and guilt. Like we can experience full life. Like it matters to respond to Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's why we get fired up. That's why we get excited. That's why we stay up late working on stuff and care about things and pray for every card that comes in and pray for every person that comes to our church because we want people desperately to get on this narrow path with Jesus and to see Jesus start to change things in them that only he can do. That's what we're about as a church. That's the heartbeat of who we are and what we care about. That's the family that you're a part of and I pray that's the resounding message that all of you tell all of your friends. So we're gonna finish with uh, communion and some kind of next step things. So we're gonna go ahead and have folks pass out communion. If you're uh, new with us this morning, when we do communion at Real Life, what we do is, um, Everybody and anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with us is welcome to take communion, okay? You don't have to be a member here. You don't have to be baptized here. You don't have to sign a special thing in the corner. I don't know, whatever. Like, if you love Jesus, have communion with us. Celebrate with us. And so what we do is we pass it out, and then everybody takes the cup and the bread, and you hold on to it, and then we're going to take it together uh, a little bit uh, before we leave here this morning, okay? So just hang on to it, and then I'm going to share a couple of things with you this morning. Um, One of the things we're gonna do through this next series that we're getting into is we're talking about how to, how to really have a relationship with a God that you can't see. And as we do that, we're gonna end each message with something called next steps. We're gonna give you some really practical 
tangible ideas on how to be doers of the word, not just learning about God's word, but to actually try and practice it, walk it out. So we're gonna give you some suggestions. So for us, uh, I'm gonna walk through some next steps for us. And so the first one is, is, the, the, is for you guys each week. And I just shared you, with you what that's gonna be. We're gonna, we're gonna give those every week as a part of the sermon. We're gonna have ideas on how you can walk out practically what you're learning um, in the sermon. And then for our leadership of our church, we're gonna have, uh, we're in the process of uh, putting our eldership together. It's gonna initially be myself and Roger Miller, who you'll meet here in a few minutes. Those of you that don't know him, we'll meet him in a few minutes. And another guy named John Givens, who is an elder from the Real Life Post Falls Church, which is the original Real Life Church that started 22 years ago. Uh, John's a guy I've known for a really long time. I actually had both of his kids in youth ministry when I worked up in Post Falls. And so, uh, I asked him to come down and help me and he owes me because um, I did a lot of stuff with his kids and they're two boys, you know, and so there's that. Um, and John is an awesome, awesome guy that has helped train and equip elders, not only in Post Falls, but the other real life churches and other churches around the country. And so we're gonna take advantage of his expertise and he's gonna be a part of our team as we launch to become our own church and train our own elders. And he's gonna help Roger and I uh, walk through the process of training up our elder candidates that we've uh, selected. And so and we've got three guys that you'll meet before we leave this morning that are gonna be elders in training and they're gonna go through a process of becoming uh, elders to help oversee and shepherd our church as we move forward on our own. So um, next thing up is for our team. For us as a team, as a staff in Pullman, all of us, it, what I shared this morning, that is, that is what we are committed to. We are committed to help people know how to put their faith and trust in Jesus, to, to, to know who God really is, and then to help people learn how to walk on that narrow path that leads to life. Everything we do is for that purpose. That's our commitment. Next thing is for me. Um, for me, right now, I've personally got some next steps that I wanna share with you guys a little bit about. Um, for those of you that are close with Lanny and I are good friends with us, you know a little bit already about some of the stuff that we're going through, some of the struggles that we've got going on. Um, there's 500 and something people in our church, so uh, we're not friends with everybody. Sorry. Um, and so we are friends with some. I'm just messing around. We're friends with lots of people, but we don't know everybody, okay? Like not on a close, intimate level. And so for those of you that are close with us, you know that for the last couple of months, especially, we've been going through a really uh, cruddy season in our marriage, like really struggling. Um, like, like for those of you that have been married and it's been in the tank, yep, it's, it stinks. We're really struggling. And... And right now, we're just going through some deep, deep water in our marriage, in our relationship, and just really struggling with some things. And like I talked about in this message, this idea of sanctification, this, this heart work that God's doing in you while he's changing you to be more like God and stripping you of stuff that is not like God, like sometimes that process is painful and my wife and I are both going through some of that stuff with God. My wife in particular is really struggling with some, some st 
stuff, just the, some God stuff that he's working on her heart in. And it's, it's just been a really hard season for her and where she's at. And so for me, I am 100% committed to my marriage. I'm 100% committed to my family and I'm committed to walk through this hard season even though it's not really that fun. And I'm not going anywhere as the pastor of our church. Like, I'm here. I'm 100% in and committed to the future of Pullman and, and committed to what God is doing here with us in the church. But for a season, I'm not gonna be uh, preaching up front or as uh, involved on, I'll be here every Sunday morning, I'm gonna be involved, like I'm still, I'm leading our team, I'm leading our staff, I'm investing and training in the other guys that are preaching, but if any of you have ever preached or done public speaking, it takes a toll on you, it like emotionally rings you out when you get up here and you bring the message of God and you bring God's word and you share it, and right now for this season that we're walking through, I need to commit to have the emotional bandwidth and spiritual, I don't know, legs under me, to walk through hard stuff in my marriage. And so for a season, our team is gonna rally around us and they're gonna uh, support us. And we've got awesome guys that preach and teach and, and we're investing in them and training them. And again, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not any less committed. I'm not any less involved. We're gonna have other guys that are gonna be up here preaching and helping bring the message and carry us forward on Sunday mornings as I'm walking through hard stuff with her. And so um, I need you guys to know something. Uh, one of the things, it's a crux being in like a living in public view, like being a pastor, right? Because you're, a lot of people know you that you don't know, but they know you. And a lot of people know about you and about a lot of your stuff, but you don't know anything about them. And so it's kind of an unusual relationship some, in some respects. Um, one of the things is, as a church, we're called real life for a reason, right? We wanna be real, we wanna be authentic. I immensely value transparency and realness and vulnerability. And I think it is critical to the culture of our church and for us to be a church that really makes disciples and, and, and creates an environment where people can be real because I've heard way too many stories about churches where people don't feel comfortable being real because they feel like the staff or the pastor is like perfect or has it all figured out or they, and they feel like it's not safe to say that they're really struggling or that their marriage is on the rocks. It's not safe to say that they have sin issues or whatever because they heard one person that did that one time and that it went bad for them and I so do not want us to ever be that kind of church. And in order to do that, I gotta be okay to lay some of my junk out on the table. And it's weird. It's different than if you lay it out in your home group where you've got 10 people or eight people that you're close with and three of them call and check on you because they're your friends. I lay my stuff on the table with 500 people. And so here's what I need you guys to know. I need you guys to know that we have people walking with us. We have people that are in our life with us, that are journeying with us, that are counseling with us, that are praying with us, that are walking with my wife, that are walking with my son, that are coming alongside us. And I need you guys to trust that the right people are in our world and are walking through hard stuff with us. If you have relationship with us and you already know us and like we have connection and stuff, absolutely check on us and say, hey, how's it going? Like that's totally appropriate. If you don't really know us, uh, particularly my wife and my son, if you, if you don't have like pre-existing relationship with them, now is probably not the time to see them in Walmart and go, oh, hey, you're our pastor's wife. He said you were struggling. I was thinking, I thought I should tell you this book that I had and right, like that won't help. 
okay? If you, it, pray, that's what I say. Just like when I hear about stuff going on that's hard in your guys' lives and you turn in cards and things are struggling and people are transparent, I, my response is I pray. And so I'm just asking that you guys would treat us the same, that you would just dig in and pray with us and trust that the right people are walking through us, through this with us. And I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here every weekend. And the preaching will be a lot shorter, so there'll be that. <laughs> right? All right. I can say all of the things that I said this morning and talk with the confidence I have in spite of even hard things going on in my own life because I know we have a good God who has displayed his goodness through what he did with Christ on the cross. Like his love for us is so evident, it is proven, it is unmistakable. And so this morning as we finish, I wanna finish by remembering that we have a good God who made a way for us to have everything forgiven and to be right with him and to be invited onto this path towards a full life. So as we take the bread this morning, let's remember that we have a good God and we love Jesus. Let's remember his body. As we take the cup, we remember that it was his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so as we take this, let's remember him. I'm gonna have Roger and the guys come on out here. Um, this is Roger Miller. Come on out. If you know Roger, clap. <laughs> I was just curious. He said he knew people, but I was checking. Um, so uh, Roger was one of our founding elders when the original church came down here uh, 12 years ago, and he is going to be essentially our founding elder carrying us forward in Pullman, which is pretty cool and pretty exciting. And then uh, Gary uh, Hopkins and his wife Judy leave the lead, they don't leave, <laughs> or I will kill you. <laughs> it's been a long morning. They lead the Young Life College Ministry here in, at WSU and in Pullman, as well as over in uh, Moscow at U of I. And Gary is one of our elders in training, and he is committed to go through a process of training over the next year to uh, become equipped and prepared to be an elder. And Mr. Mike, Michael Kane, you guys saw uh, all these, uh, these two guys you saw preach through the summer. Michael Kane is also one of our elders in training, has been a part of our church for a long time, and he is committed to go through that process as well. And Ron Little is out from Colfax and he and his wife Judy have been a part of the church for a long time and uh, have been, uh, all these guys have been long time, lifetime followers of Jesus and, and Ron and Judy are just awesome and amazing involved in all kinds of stuff and connect with so many people. I've heard more people say that they uh, know Ron and Judy than is, should be possible. Um, and Judy also uh, is the sweetest, nicest, softest spoken lady that ever goes to get thrown in jail twice a month. Um, so you just have to check out the stories with her. Like when you see her and you think seriously she gets thrown in jail, it's true. I'll let you figure it out. All right, I'm gonna let Roger say a few words and then we're gonna pray and get out of here. I'm still in training. You never get out of training when you're in anything. That's what life is all about. Um, shared a little story with the first service and uh, Alex, my son-in-law, the children's pastor here, uh, was at the, is at the fair with Chris and the kids. Well, I got a call yesterday morning at six o'clock in the morning. 
no electricity, help. So I get my tools, I get my pickup and run over there and we started checking things and no power in the, in the trailer. Oh, I checked the battery. Well, the battery didn't have any voltage. It was only six volts, supposed to be 12. Uh, we hooked the generator up. Well, it'd work on generator, but it wouldn't work on the batteries. Their refrigerator, everything they lost, you know how that goes. So we ran to town and got a new battery. Put a new battery in it, thought, wow, we got it solved. Didn't fix it. Well, I was fiddling around with the wires around the battery and I found this little square thing. It's called a fuse. <laughs> Guess what? The fuse was blown. That, when, when Thad was talking first service, it came to me, you know, the Holy Spirit is our fuse. We'll do things in our life that'll blow our fuse, but you know, replace it. It's not that difficult. Replace it, keep going forward, connect back to the power. That's really the key to life. So we're excited with what God's doing here in Pullman. Um, it's going to be a good ride, people. It's a good ride. So um, I'm going to have Gary pray for us, and we will dismiss. What you've all been praying for. <laughs> Father God, thank you for your hand on this church. I am grateful, maybe more grateful today than I have been uh, ever to be a part of this church, a church that's committed to relationships, committed to being a family, uh, committed to walking and encouraging, uh, lifting up each other as we go, to walk the path together, uh, to be real. Uh, so we just commit uh, the future to you. We commit the present to you. Uh, we ask that you would reveal more of yourself, that you'd continue to reveal your vision, that we'd be uh, honoring, that we'd be chasing hard after to know what it is you're calling us to do and to do it with great uh, passion. Uh, thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.